The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, Lisa Doherty, Content Director for Range, talks about product and virtual spaces, and the intersection of gaming and the outdoor products industry. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase, and joining me today is Lisa Doherty, Content Director at Range. Thanks for joining me. It's great, great to have you here. Yeah. Hi, Chase. Thanks for having me. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> great to talk to you. Um, this is a topic that well, you you brought up a little while ago on on LinkedIn. Um, like, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about fashion and gaming and this this blending of I don't know, just a lot of different worlds coming together. And and you gave a presentation on this a few years ago, and so I've, I appreciate you being willing to jump on and and have a conversation. I know you're passionate about this topic, but um, I, I don't know. I when we were talking earlier. I, I've just been noticing, and I know you've been noticing the same thing, this blending of um, gaming, you know, and, and fashion and, and product that we know in the real world crossing over into virtual spaces. And I thought, you know, people listening to this might think, well, isn't this a product design podcast? Like, isn't this for outdoor product design students? I, I think there's a lot of application here. And I, I really wanted our students and others who listen to recognize kind of where we're going, right? And there's there's a lot of interesting things happening right now, but I, I wanted to have you on to kind of clarify and, and enlighten us on that, how we got to this point and maybe where we're going. So um, with that said, how did you get into the outdoor industry? How'd you get into this space where you're blending, um, you know, design and the outdoors? It seems like the, the perfect combination. So my career path is anything but linear. Um, so I've been in the world of advertising and content for about a decade now. Um, and I kickstarted my career um, working at a third-party agency for advertising and production studios. Um, so I handled a lot of like licensing and agreements and contracts and stuff for really big commercials for like Apple and Google and stuff like that. Um, um, and I did that for a few years and then I decided to take some time off. Um, and I took the train around the country and I started writing for, um, outdoor, um, blogs like she explores, uh, we used to be dirtbag darling, um, stay wild magazine. Um, so during that trip is, is where I started to work on my writing skills specifically for the outdoors. Like I've always had a, a passion for nature. Um, but it was really during that trip where I, you know, started to get acquainted with the skill of writing about, you know, being outside, what that does for me, um, its impact on, on my life and the world around me and stuff like that. And then when I got back from my train trip, um, I was looking to make like a career shift. I, 
was working in advertising for a really long time, had a, you know, a really great time during my, I like to call them my Don Draper days of working in big advertising. Um, but I wanted to make a career shift and, and work in an industry um, that I knew was very passionate and impactful. Um, and then I found Range, which was like a really, you know, interesting and creative agency in the outdoor space. Um, it was unlike any other thing that I had seen in the industry. It was very unconventional, um, which is what drew me to it. Um, and I've, you know, been working with Janine over at Range for about five years now, and I'm the content director there. Um, and I get to work on, you know, some really creative projects that are, you know, rooted in a lot of research, uh, consumer insights and actionable data and stuff like that. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how I got started in like the outdoor industry. That's great. Well, and I like, you know, outdoor, we, we use that in quotes because I feel like <laughs> outdoor is so broad. Um, because, you know, skate is a part of outdoor, but maybe not traditionally seen as outdoor. And it's kind of hard to put all of these activities under one umbrella. Um, but I think range does that really well, right? Pulling in all these different activities and disciplines and um, mm. in, a, in a really special and unique way. And, and if anyone wants to learn more about range in particular, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit of what, what you do with them um, today. But we, we did an interview with Janine as well, where, where we dive into to the the day to day of range and yeah. what they're working on, so I'll link to that as well. But um, I, I guess just how, how did when did it you start to recognize? I don't know. It seems like you you have this ad agency experience where you were you're involved in entertainment, like you're, you're involved in products, like you're you're seeing different aspects of of um, I don't know just of the, the agency side of things. Mm -hmm. um, when did you start to recognize um, gaming, which isn't like something you traditionally think about when you think outdoors? When did you start to see gaming and recognize that as kind of this creative force um, that eventually we're, we're starting to see blend with with the outdoor outdoor community? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of an odd yeah. question, but yeah, no, I no, it's a great question, and I actually I feel like I recognized it like way before like the outdoor industry, like. I majored in advertising and mass communications and that's kind of where my interests, um, that's kind of where like I cultivated an interest in like advertising and like, you know, like messaging for the masses. So like I did like a thesis paper on uh, Marshall McLuhan who is a communications theorist um, who like coined the phrase like the medium is the message and it's rooted in the idea that um, the medium in which you consume content will dictate how that content is perceived. So um, I've always been interested in the way people consume content. So, you know, you used to have like the written word uh, with like books and newspapers, and then we evolved, you know, to radio where it was more of like an audio communication and that was like its own experience. And then we had computers and then we had cell phones. So I've always been kind of interested in the evolution of tech as a medium to deliver content. And then, you know, I also like to think about like how we consume that content and like what that experience looks like. Um, but in terms of, of gaming and the evolution of that and like where I saw or where I started to recognize the intersection of that, um, you know, it was really like back in 2019, you know, when, uh, I was at outdoor retailer and, you know, I had, you know, the privilege of hosting some panel discussions and presentations, um, you know, at the ranger station. And I always try to tackle like issues of social media and the digital landscape and stuff like that. And, 
um, for that particular, you know, research project, like, you know, we started to, the idea of like fashion and like gaming was like starting to like, you know, bubble up and, and it was kind of interesting. And, um, you know, like gaming, you know, like we started to see like Pokemon Go. So gaming wasn't necessarily only happening like on the couch. Like when we saw like Pokemon Go come out, it was different in the sense that it was encouraging people to get off the couch and get outside. Um, so that kind of piqued my interest because it was, it was inviting the audiences to, cons to participate in gaming, but also like participate in the real world. And I really enjoyed like the intersection of that particular game. So that's where I, I, I think I started to recognize it in terms of like, you know, like gaming and its relationship to the outdoors. Um, and then, you know, as we've seen it played out like the past like two years, you know, it's really built up and then 2020 hit and then like, you know, there, we've had like this really big like instance where like gaming, gaming is, is having a really big moment right now. Right. I think that's really helpful to talk about like these big gaming moments that are happening now and, and talking about like why this is such a significant, I mean, it's, it's becoming like a really significant part or, or an aspect of, of, more and more people's lives every day. It's not just like an, a niche activity, right? Um, it's, it's like generally accepted that people play, right? And play mm -hmm. is something that just as people, we like, we want, we need that, right? Um, yeah. And we need that social aspect. And, and it seems like, especially in the last few years and then during the pandemic, right? Like social games um, I, I have taken off even more um, than before, right? Just as everyone's home, but wants to be together. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like virtual, the, the pandemic didn't cause this, but it, it, it probably accelerated, right? That need for people to come together in virtual spaces is, is, is a place where that can happen, right? Whether it's Fortnite or, you know, whatever, whatever Animal Crossing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm interested in some of these big changes that are happening. And like one in particular, you, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, just, uh, just, gaming being just another form of content that people can engage in right mm -hmm. um and i like that the idea of medium is the message and I, I don't know if this directly applies to what we're talking about it doesn't necessarily apply to the outdoor but maybe to the larger entertainment landscape i know mm -hmm. um was it sony that announced so they have uncharted you know this big series that they're gonna do this 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 movie series that they also announced well as a, a part of it's inspired by a video game called uncharted but there's there's a, a, a series of movies that they're going to come out with. There's a TV show that that directly ties into it, and then they want their games to be extensions of those stories that happen on the big screen, mm -hmm. right? And in the TV shows. And so more and more, I'm seeing like this seamless transition between like it's all just entertainment, right? And I know you're really mm -hmm. interested in that as well, right? It's like. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, we're not putting like movies necessarily in a box and TV in a box and games in a box. They're kind of all flowing into each other. Right. Which I think is really interesting. And I don't know what the outcome of that is for, for this discussion around like the outdoors and fashion. But I, I guess the point of that is like all of this is blending together and becoming just a bigger part of, of people's lives. I don't know if you have any thought thoughts on that before maybe we dive into more of the specifics of, you know, fashion appearing in, in games. But what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, it's, it feels, or it seems like very abstract to kind of like, you know, try to connect all those dots, but they're definitely there. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to like that idea that the medium is the message. Um, 
entertainment has always been a part of the human experience, right? So um, that's, you know, that's always been a part of our experience and it's evolved over time, right? And it's evolved um, with the tools and the technology that we're using. Um, you know, so that's always kind of been like a part of like our history, the human history. Um, and gaming just taps into like that human need to be entertained or to pass the time or escape or, um, you know, create an alternate like reality. You know what I mean? So gaming kind of taps into like different aspects of the human nature of like just really living. You know what I mean? And, and I think that has to do with... Um, Yes, being entertained, escaping when we need to, creating worlds that we want to be a part of. And, you know, like the evolution of like of gaming in terms of like the different types of games that we've seen over time, like gaming is like really rooted in like exploration. So like one of the first like video games that was ever created was called Adventureland. Um, and, you know, it was like the first like text adventure game of its time. And it's actually the first example of of a in-game advertisement you know so like it's again these these the connecting of the dots seems like really abstract but it's there um so like adventureland was like you know rooted in like exploring finding things finding treasure and stuff like that so like it, you know it's tapping into like that human need to like explore and like you know it might've been in a virtual world, but, you know, and very text, you know, very text heavy, like, you know, kind of nostalgic analog kind of experience, you know, but it was like inviting people to like explore and dream and like just really tap into like their creative selves. But um, that example is interesting because it, it was also like an example of like the first like in-game advertisement. And then as like gaming and product placement and brand marketing kind of evolved together, um, which they do because gaming just became another platform for advertisers to connect with consumers. You know what I mean? And, and it, it evolved and, and took many forms throughout history. So, you know, like after Adventureland, you know, we saw like EA Sports was born, like imitating real life sports networks and then um, virtual reality like FIFA. Um, you know, came into play. And then, you know, as history goes on, or like, you know, as you move forward um, throughout the years, it's just like, it continues to evolve. But marketing is always right alongside it, right? So like, as gaming has evolved from one, you know, like console or like one, um, you know, like story to another, like, brand marketing and advertising has always been a part of that experience you know so like with adventureland it was like promoting the next version of the game for fifa it was like in stadium ads like on you know like on the banners like on the field you know like tony hawk pro skater you know was very branded and that was a part of the the skating culture and like the skating experience you know what i mean so i've always been interested in that you know what i mean it's like you know, as, as the tools and the te technology has evolved, um, product placement and marketing has always been right there alongside it, evolving with it. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it seems like, I mean, marketing is all about reaching people where they are at. Right. 
where right. whatever that medium is, right? Whether it's yeah. film, whether it's TV, whether it's games, what, whatever social platform that it might be, it's all about reaching the eyeballs wherever mm-hmm. the eyeballs are. Um, totally. And, and so I'm impressed by these people in 19, well, like 1991, even like with EA, people were thinking that way, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and thinking like there's an opportunity to put our brand in front of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious what those discussions were like, right? Between EA executives and these potential partner brands. Do you happen to know any of the brands that were featured? Uh, like in 1991? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like in the nineties from like 1991 to like 1999 is so like the so like the consoles themselves started to evolve too so like we started to see like sega we started to see like playstation and like xbox like when all of that when the consoles themselves again the medium began to evolve like the game started to evolve too so we went from like this really like kind of like glitchy kind of looking experience to like um you know like virtual reality and then we started getting into like simulation games like the sims and stuff like that um so i you know in the 90s is where i think um a lot of like sports brands you know and a lot of like fat you know like fast food like subway and even like coca-cola um you know like those were like the really big players that like invested in gaming yeah you know what i mean and like in terms of like advertising it was like you know typically like the top tier brands like Coca-Cola or Subway or, you know, any of those brands were the first ones to really, you know, go into like the gaming territory. But I brought up Tony Hawk um, earlier and I want to bring it up again because as, you know, gaming and advertising was evolving, um, Tony Hawk was like an interesting case study because the product integration in terms of like product, product placement, um, it wasn't just like on a banner or like a billboard or something in the background. It actually like enhanced the gaming experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, it was very reflective of like skate culture at that time. So like skateboarders, you know, had all these like really big uh, sponsors. So like the independent trucks and like the element like mm-hmm. skate decks and stuff like that. Um, that was all in the game. So like we started to see like gaming reflect acting as a mirror of like real life you know what i mean so it was like we started to see like the evolution of gaming like mimic the real world in a way that was relatable and an opportunity for like the product integration to be a little bit more um organic you know right I think that's where i'm especially interested as interested is those first instances where like a, a product company, like one of these sports or as, outdoor fashion brands had their product in a game, right? Because I know 1993, um, you shared with me an image of, of FIFA. Pretty hard for any of those players like to, to have a recognizable brand. There's some limitations on the game, right? Limited number yeah. of pixels, like detail. Probably can't like brand those, those little pixelated people very well. But you have big brands, big hits like Panasonic, like you said, like the big companies mm-hmm. could be represented in that way. Um, but as you get to like Tony Hawk, there's a little more detail. There's a little more like, um, I don't know, there's an opportunity for product companies to be directly involved, right? Um, is is that do you happen to know if that's like the first instance it's probably hard to say it's probably one of the first instances where you have product companies 
mm. that you're actually like your character is actually involved in using the real products that you could go and buy yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. So yeah, I guess um, that's kind of what I was hinting at earlier is that like the way in which like ads were showing up in games like has like evolved. So like once right. we got the Sims mm -hmm. where, you know, the user had the capability of interacting with products right. to enhance the experience versus it just being in the background. Right. Yeah. Right? So yeah. like that was like, in my opinion, like that was like a big shift in terms of like how, you know, products showed up in games and how consumers and audiences like interacted with it. They actually enjoyed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, it, it enhanced the experience and they had a relationship with these products already. Um, you know, so like that was, you know, that was a big moment, I think like in the nineties when, you know, interacting with products was like enhancing the experience versus just like, you know, a flashing ad in the background to like right. buy a subway sandwich. Yeah. Customizing your character really was that, that, you know, factor that allowed you to then be able to choose your product right mm -hmm. and open yeah. up the doors for brands to to want their product in the games do you do you know anything about those conversations with brands like how any of those went down i, I i'm assuming a lot of that isn't super well documented right like those relationships between like a, a tony hawk like or the i guess whoever made the game i don't remember sony or whoever the game studio was right mm -hmm. like I, i'm curious what those initial conversations would have been like was that is that driven by the game or is it the advertisers the product companies approaching them saying hey we'd really like our product in your game like i i'm really curious how you know the yeah. direction that flowed but yeah we, we no i <laughs> yeah i wasn't there but i can only assume that it was advertisers like knocking on you know EA sports like door, like, Hey, like we want to get, we want to get in on this, you know? And, and, you know, that stems from what you said earlier, like tapping into like audiences, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there was an opportunity to connect with audiences in a really unique way. Um, and then, you know, again, as gaming has evolved and the technology has evolved, um, it's become more of an experience, you know right. what I mean? We, we kind of jumped over like EA. I know that we talked about some of the background product. There's not a lot of customization of your character. Do you happen to know if there were like any of the, the big sports companies like a Nike, Adidas, like any of these major players, were they participating in that? I, I'm curious about that as well. I know, you know, the Coca-Cola's, those, those big companies were involved in, in the ad on the advertising side, but I, I have to imagine some of the big sports product companies were in on that in the early days of something like EA. Those, I mean, those, those are so intertwined. I'd be curious yeah. if they were involved on the gaming side. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you asked that question because I did do like a little bit of digging in terms of like, um, like the players themselves. So like when EA sports like first came out, it wanted to replicate the experience of like, um, you know, like being in an arena, mm -hmm. right? Um, but what I thought was interesting is when it first came out, they they had the names of the teams, but they didn't, they wouldn't like specifically name out the players, right? Mm -hmm. So like you didn't, so I shared an image with you earlier, but like it's not a close-up of like the apparel itself, right? So you right. can't see if it's like a team that's like sponsored by Xbox or Nike or anything like that. But as, again, as gaming and technology and you know the 
the pixels get a little bit bigger, um, you start to see that, right? So when I first started, you know, there wasn't necessarily an emphasis on, and I think that a lot, a lot of that has to do with licensing, right? Yeah. So like, I, you know, I have a lot of experience in that too. And I think with gaming, you know, you learn as you kind of go with any kind of, or any new platform, you know, like there's, licensing in terms of like likeness of the players and like you know like the nikes and the adidas like want to get permissions before they put their name on you know a, a player it you know do they actually sponsor that player or do they not um so eventually you know that came to be but it all it wasn't always a part of you know the gaming experience and i think again that a lot of that has to do with like licensing and um you know the the rules of advertising <laughs> that right. may have been like restrictive um, in the past are maybe not as restrictive now, you know? Right. Right. Well, and then like you said, definitely the limitations on the technology, right? Like there's mm -hmm. with only so many pixels to work with, you know, if you can't see that Nike swoosh clearly that, you know, there's no, that, you know, that's, it, it doesn't really make sense. So, you know, I imagine with the technology improving that there's more opportunity to, to, for product placement, but mm -hmm. Um, you, you talked about the Sims being really significant too. Like that kind of ushers in, in into the two thousands. And any 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 specific brands that really jump out in that time? Again, that this time of customization, like the opportunity to customize your character, being really significant. Yeah. No. I mean, the Sims was a big idea or a big deal. Um, you know, again, because it gave, it gave the audience members and the consumers the option to be creative. And I'll probably talk about this like a little bit um, when we start to talk about like the present time, but um, it enabled them to like be creative and like recre either recreate the world that they're living in, but like with a different twist to it or just recreate like an entirely different world. Um, some of the brands um, that I know that were like early adopters to like, you know, a collaboration with like a gaming um like with any video games was was gucci you know mm. so like gucci like gucci comes up like a lot actually um again like kind of like an early adopter um to entering like the virtual world but they you know they recently had a um collaborate or like they were in the sims and like jane fonda actually like shows their like latest collection which I thought was like really interesting, but to answer your question, like Gucci comes to my mind, like when I think of like the Sims. Hmm. In the two thousands, they were they were on it that early. No, this is like a most recent oh, one. Oh, okay, that yeah. makes sense. But but two thousands era Sims really just ushers in that that idea that oh, I could have a virtual space, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can have a place that I customize, which now it's like all too common, right? Like the, that's, that's really interesting in the 2000s, 20 years later, right? This is, that's commonplace, right? Having your own mm -hmm. space like that, um, yeah. that you have control over. Um, you know, what, where does the iPhone fit into this and, and like helping usher in gaming to the, the masses and, and really making gaming, I don't know if there's like a stigma against it up until like, you know, the iPhone comes out and it's like, everyone has games on their phone at, at all times. Is, is there something to that kind of making gaming more acceptable? Yeah. I don't know if acceptable is the right yeah. word, but um, accessible is definitely yeah. uh, what happened. Like, you know, with the, like when the iPhone came out and I think people tend to forget how young, like the first iPhone is like, it's only like 14, yeah, like 14 years old, you know? So yeah. like 
it's interesting because I think people forget like how how quickly like technology has evolved. You know what I mean? So when the iPhone came out, like it really opened up the world in terms of like information and connection and stuff like that. And you know, in terms of like gaming, um, being able to connect with other people, um, you know. I think, you know, there was like more of like a competitive, there was like a spike in like competitive kind of games, like the Angry Birds or like something like that. Um, you know, but I, I think it just kind of opened up the world in a lot of different ways. And with gaming, it just enabled people to connect on like a global level. Um, and also it, you could game wherever you wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. So again, the medium is the message and gaming. You didn't have to just do it at home. Now, now you can do it while you're sitting on the bus going to work, or you can sit it while you're waiting in an office somewhere. Um, so it made gaming accessible and people wanted to play like people right. could play anywhere. Um, and that's what they started to do. Right. I, you know, I am curious about like, maybe this is a good time to, to, reflect back on like why this matters, right? Like, why are we having this conversation about um, real product and virtual spaces and brands and virtual spaces? Like what, I guess to start, like, well, before we kind of jump in and talk about some more of the current events, you know, current collaborations, like what, why do you think this is important for product designers to, to pay attention to um, and, and recognize that um, maybe the history of this, like this history of, of brands in games. I, I we talked extensively about like how big the entertainment industry is and gaming is a part of that. But, but why do you think it's important for a, a product designer or people in the outdoor industry to, to recognize those connections and that, that trend? Yeah. I mean, people are gaming and they're gaming a lot and that's what we saw in 2020. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when the pandemic hit, um, you know, like the world, the, the world seemingly stopped moving, but virtually like we are still living, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And in terms of like, you know, product design and product placement and stuff, like we saw like a lot of crazy, amazing things happen in 2020, just, you know, despite the pandemic, like in the virtual world, you know, there was just so much that happened in terms of like connection, um, community and commerce and collaboration. Um, and it's, you know, it's, what we saw in 2020 and like the residual like habits from 2020, like are not going anywhere. Um, you know, so like, you know, there's a bunch of data out there actually, you know, we did a really, in, you know, intensive or extensive report about this, um, for, uh, the horizon report at range where, you know, there's a bunch of data points as to like how much, you know, um, gaming raked in in 2020. I have a data point here. Like digital games alone garnered like 126.6 billion dollars over the course of 2020. Um, I have another statistic that over like half of Americans like turned to gaming in 2020. Um, so I mean, I, I think we all we need to recognize that we have we have the physical world that we're living in, but we also have this virtual world that we are very much a part of. It's growing. It's going to continue to grow. Um, and the virtual world is, is inspiring what, what's happening in, in the, in the real world. You know what I mean? So like we've, we've created these, these virtual worlds, these virtual lives, um, virtual clothing, you know, like people have avatars um, who live 
their own separate lives in this virtual world and consumers are interacting with them. They're being creative. They're paying for it. They're actually paying to like, you know, outfit their digital avatars and like the latest like North face kit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think to answer your question, I think it's important to pay attention because, um, the virtual world has been around for a while. It's not going anywhere. Um, people are gaming. They're not going to stop gaming. Um, and they're investing in it. It seems like sport and fashion are the first movers when it comes to, you know, putting, well, and other major advertisers, right? In the McDonald's, Coca-Cola, these, these companies that are just known for advertising. Right. Um, where, where do you feel like outdoor stacks up? I, I kind of feel like from my perspective, it seems like the outdoor industry has been behind on injecting their product into these spaces. It's, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more and maybe this is a good time to jump into it, but it seems like it's, it's games like animal crossing where it's the users themselves or the, the, the players themselves are the ones who see, Oh, I can't get my favorite North face jacket in the game. I'm going to make it right. Mm-hmm. Which would have been a huge opportunity for some of these brands um, to be the ones that did that. Um, but it was the people who did that, which is a common thread. And we're going to continue to see, you know, user generated content in games in addition to mm-hmm. in other social platforms. But where do you think the outdoor industry has stacked up when it comes to, you know, incorporating their products into games yeah i you know this is very much just like my opinion but i you know i think that the outdoor industry has been slow to you know like adapt to that and i and i think there's a couple reasons for that um i think outdoor industry in general has an interesting relationship with technology and Mm um you know like the the intersection of like technology and nature like what does that mean for like the outdoors and like what does that mean for like the individual and like the industry as a whole um i think we're really comfortable talking about technology if it's gore-tex or if it's like with the jacket but i think that there's a hesitation or you know a, a tendency to not really accept technology in outdoor spaces mm. you know um for whatever reason that might be, you know what I mean? And and I think a lot of people have a lot of different feelings about that. Um, But I also think, you know, not just the outdoor industry, um, but other industries as well, I think we're hesitant to get into gaming at all because you couldn't measure like ROIs, you know what I mean? So like right now, as the technology has evolved, like so has the backend data of that. So you know, you now there's so much data available and real time feedback um, that people are providing in these games like Animal Crossing, um, you know, that now is, a, you know, a really good time to start looking into the gaming um, platform because consumers want it. And that's what we saw with Animal Crossing. We saw, um, you know, audiences like, they took the initiative and they created a world, their own virtual world that they wanted to be a part of. And yeah, you know, like we saw like the hype beasts, people come up and and start outfitting their like little animal crossing characters and Supreme and the North face. And, um, you know, we saw creators like creating lookbooks and like having photo shoots and like all of a sudden like animal crossing became like their runway for like fashion brands and um and that included outdoor brands as well you know what i mean so i mean um, i mean when when these 
Oh, I was going to say, even Wendy's had their own, like their own island, right? Like on, on yeah. the fast food side <laughs> of things, right? And like, I don't know, it's it, other industries definitely seem to have like caught on to that more quickly than outdoor. And, and if outdoor has been pulled into it, it is through like Gucci, right? Who's maybe thinking that much further, right? And pulls the North Face along into into P- Pokemon Go, which was a, a recent yeah. development, right? It, that kind of seems like the, the direction, right? It's always some of these other industries that are looking a little further, but. Yeah, I also, I want to just like give the individual some credit as well. Yeah. Like this is something that I think a, a lot about and is also like a little bit like abstract, but like the idea of like, like influencers and stuff like that, like really taking control, like creative, taking the creative control back from advertisers. Like we're seeing like a shift right now, which we all know is going, like influencer marketing is like such a huge thing. Um, And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because like individuals, like creative individuals, like really took the initiative and like, and has created a space where like they have more influence than the Coca-Cola's and the bigger brands and stuff like that. And I think like, during 2020 when all of these creatives either lost work or were stuck at home um, really took the initiative to like keep working, being creative and collaborating. And, you know, fortunately for brands like the North Face and Supreme and all these other brands, like they got to capitalize on that because consumers wanted to engage with the products that they care and they, and they, they care about and, and they love and, and consumers, you know, like outdoor, outerwear in general is like having a moment and spin having a moment. Um, you know, so like the outdoor industry is being called in to get involved, um, by consumers, you know? Right. Where, where do you think, and we, we can keep talking about the current state, but I, I was thinking of the future of some of this along the lines of what you're talking about. Where, where do you see some of the, the future of this? Cause I, uh, you and I talked the other day about some of the missed opportunities, right? Like there's huge value in these brands, participating and seeing their product in these spaces. And, and even if, you know, even if people aren't buying them, if people are making mm-hmm. Supreme product in animal crossing and using it and walking around, like, but they're, they're paying, just, they are paying for it. You know, like right. people are paying to like outfit their avatars, which again, like seems so abstract, but it's like, right. it's hap- it's here. <laughs> right. I, I guess the next step of that, right? It's like you you can buy, buy those products in those virtual spaces. I, I wonder if there's some limitations on the technology. And we talked about this the other day, but like when is when is that next step coming where, okay, I can buy that virtual product for my avatar, but seamlessly I can also buy the physical product right in the game, mm-hmm. right? And we, we talked about Instagram, like integrating shopping right into Instagram. And so I, I, I have to imagine that's not too far away, right? This opportunity to not only buy the virtual product, but, you know, in one click, I can buy the, the physical product and, and get it to, to you know, to ship right away. I don't know. Do you see that coming? Are there any instances of that happening now? Yeah. So you're touching on like social commerce, right? So like, um, you know, being able to shop on like social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. Um, I think, I think we're, we're getting there and we're getting there quickly. Like all each social platform is like kind of at their own, phase in the process you know what i mean but in terms of like you know social commerce and like what that looks like um you know like snapchat in 2020 like released um like an ar capability where you can try on your shoes and stuff so Mm. i mean the um 
the like the need and the want is there like cons like we're already seeing consumers like express that they want to be able to try things on virtually like so i think each social platform is at its own particular um place in terms of like social commerce and like what that actually looks like so you know with instagram and facebook it's like it links you to like a third party site to go actually hit buy right yeah. right you know but technology moves so fast it, it moves very quickly um and i have no doubt in my mind that we'll be able to make purchases in the gaming in the gaming world very soon if it's not happening already like i, I just i don't have any case studies you know at the top of my mind right now but um we're very well on our way <laughs> right well so, i know, you know we we've talked about the other day as well like um products like is it mirror that that lululemon bought right? It's this mm -hmm. mirror product that you exercise in front of, but also you can buy Lulu product that. through it, right? Like yeah. that, that kind of seems like um, the precursor to that, right? Like you're not mm -hmm. gaming, but in a way it, it's social fitness, right? Through, through, through this product, but then they push out product through, through mirror. Um, I imagine that same thing could be coming from like Peloton, right? Like I'm surprised mm -hmm. Peloton hasn't done that already, like selling their own product, or maybe they are selling their own product apparel or something through through those channels so I, I can see like it on the fringes right in in different parts of the industry it'll be interesting to see when that really starts to hit um where you buy directly through through games but mm -hmm. um uh, for again for for product designers i i want product mm -hmm. designers to hear this and think okay so what like i it's a big deal like our, our brands are, are in all these different spaces. Like, what does that mean for me, like day to day when I'm creating product? Like, yes, I need to understand where my product is going to appear. Um, but I think it's really interesting that the tools that are being used to create virtual products for like in VFX houses um, or, or gaming studios, like where they need to create um, realistic looking apparel using a fabric simulations and all of that and textures like a lot of that is now crossing over to brands and those tools those 3d design tools are becoming available for for brands and mm -hmm. and you're seeing brands apple's done this a long time on the hard goods side of things right where most of the product that appears on their website isn't physical product it's a 3d mm -hmm. rendering that is hyper realistic um that's that someone modeled and rendered um, and so there's no real need to go do a photo shoot, right? I'm sure they do in certain cases, but a lot of that, those product shots are, are just renderings. And we're mm -hmm. seeing more of that on the apparel side. And I, I just see those tools that were largely for, for game studios and for on, more on the traditional entertainment movie side of things is becoming available for, for product designers. Uh, is, is that's, I, I just see that crossover as really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, gaming technology is like really informing or can inform like the design process. Um, and like you said, like there's an opportunity to start playing around with those 3d designs. Um, you know, like I think they're called skins. So like skins is like the, you know, like the like custom in game, like outfits. So there's an opportunity for like virtual product testing um, you know, which kind of leans into like the conversation of like sustainability too. Like yeah. how can we really utilize like gaming technology to improve the production, the design, not only the design process, but the production process as right. well. Like how can we really like utilize these 3d 
product templates or these programs to really refine um, the production process, right? Right. I know a lot of, well, we, we try to teach this in our students, a few different 3D um, apparel design tools, um, but using programs like Clo or Browseware, there, I know there's, there's plenty of others. Um, and on the gaming side, um, I'm forgetting a couple of those, but like Unreal Engine, like a, a few of these different tools, you can make real life, you know, realistic looking apparel. And in some cases you can do that testing, right? You can put, um, using certain fabrics, the program like has that information around the stretch and the drape and, mm-hmm. and you can actually simulate, you know, put your avatar in different positions and, and use a kind of like a, a heat map and it'll show you where the fabric is stretching too much when you're in a certain mm-hmm. position. Right. So yeah. I, on the sustainability side, that's really interesting, right. To be able to not have to do so many samples. We've already seen that with different brands that we've worked with, the amount of samples that we cut down by doing 3D apparel um, and then using 3D renderings that are hyper-realistic on the website rather than having to go and do a photo shoot and, and not knowing what to do those, with those samples afterwards is, is really interesting. I, there's a, a whole lot, a lot of opportunity there for, for our students and, and for the industry right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it like technology in general, um, you know, it, I, you know, like it, it I, I just feel like it's just so inspiring sometimes and it really invites us to like recreate the world in a different way. And I think after like 2020, like I think we're ready to like rebuild and like restart some, some new things, you know what I mean? So in yeah. terms of like, the production process and like what we can, how we can really utilize technology to improve and refine our processes to like cut down on production and travel. And, you know, like I love photo shoots. I love doing all that kind of stuff. It's really creative. It's really great. But um, I think we're seeing like some really cool and creative things happening in the virtual world and, and gaming technology is really um, spearheading that. Right. For sure. Well, I, you know, to, I guess to kind of wind down the conversation a little bit, I'm like, you're ending us on an optimistic note, which yeah. I like, especially this, this year and last year. But uh, what, what are you looking forward to in this space? What, what really excites you about the opportunities there that are in this, this space? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I just I think the possibilities are kind of endless, yeah. you know. And like we, what really kicked the, kicked off this whole, you know, conversation was that you know Gucci North Face and Pokemon Go collaboration. And the reason why I like that so much is because it really um, shines a light on the possibilities of collaboration. Like anybody can be a collaborator in today's world. Um, there's no, you know, like there's no boundaries anymore. And I think that that's really great. And I think that's really, um, inspiring. Um, and I also think that gaming has an opportunity to create, um, or invite people to engage with nature in in really creative ways. Um, like Pokemon go again is, is rooted in not keeping you on the couch, but getting you outside. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, with that, we're like able to, Um, cultivate, you know, like another generation of like land stewards of like, you know, like you might be on your phone getting outside, but like you're still getting outside, you're moving your legs, you're being active and you're outside and and maybe you'll, 
you know, like engage with nature in a creative way that inspires you to protect that space. You know, like you receive the invitation to go outside from this game. And if it's a game that gets you outside, I'm cool with that. Gaming technology, like really inviting us to refine our processes of production and design and stuff like that. I, I, I welcome that because I think we are ready for um, a heavy reset in all areas of, you know, uh, the industry and just like human humans in general. <laughs> right. Yeah. You totally. know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I feel the same way. Um, I, I've been super interested in this topic. I think, I think it's the amount of collaborations that have been popping up recently. Uh, and then when I saw that you've been talking about it, I must've missed that session a, a few years back, but um, wish I could have watched that in full. I guess we can, right? Is there, there's, is that available if people wanted to check that out? The trend presentation where yeah. Uh, I think it's on the range Facebook page. I would have to go back and look though. I'm not sure if it, if it's available, we'll, we'll link to it in the description. Um, but any, any parting thoughts? I know that we, we covered a lot of territory and we could certainly do a part two at some point, but, um, what are we, we I think a a part two could be cool. Cause like, we didn't even like get into like EA sportswear and like designers, like design, you know, like, like, just so like y'all know, like athletes are like the new influencers, like athletes are it. Um, but like gamers are now athletes. Right. So we can talk about that. Yeah. The the new categories to design for, right. Like new sports that are coming up that, that could be really interesting. I mean, you have people like, is it Ninja who has, I don't remember how many followers that he has. Right. And I think, isn't he working with Adidas? Is he an Adidas athlete? I'm not sure if he works with Adidas, but I did see that he like played like against Drake or something in like 2018 and it like broke, it like broke the game. Yeah. You got to watch out for gamers. Like they are the new athletes and um, we're already seeing brands design clothing and sportswear for them. So that could be its own conversation. I I think it could be for sure. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to (laughs) schedule that, but this has been great. There's a lot to chew on here. Um, How how do people stay in touch with you and and keep up with all things Lisa and range? Yeah. um, You can find range at this is range um, on Instagram or this is range.com. You can find me uh, at lady underscore max. My personal account is like very haphazard, but um, you know, if you reach out to range, you'll likely find me. So that's great. Well, this has been awesome. Let's do another one. There's so much more yes. to talk about. Yeah, Appreciate you for, taking the time. Yeah. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor industry leaders and enthusiasts, subscribe and listen wherever podcasts are found or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast.